0: I appreciate, again, you guys letting us laugh at your expense. So much fun. You know what my favorite thing about these videos are? Is the, the, specifically the one with, uh, with Pastor Micah and, and Katie, uh, when he claimed that he stole the French fry, and she got really offended by that. It <laughs> was like, no, no. I steal it, and then just watching them disagree about the simplest of things, it couldn't have been any more perfect to set up this series that we're in, uh, which is for better or for worse, we are continuing our series this morning uh, on marriage, and uh, I'll give you a, a quick disclaimer, um, today we are going to be talking about the, con, uh, the subject of intimacy. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot, mostly about emotional intimacy, but... Uh, If you feel as though this conversation is not appropriate for your child, uh, you are more than welcome to uh, take them to our incredible eKids service, but I promise you, everybody can get something out of this. We're not going crazy today, but I figured I'd at least let you know right from the beginning that we are talking about intimacy today Um, and so last week we started this incredible new series for better for worse we're talking about the sacred vows and and how they apply to our marriages and and what they mean for us today and i'll tell you this no matter where you are pastor chris said this last week no matter where you are in life whether you're married dating single there is something in this message for you today i promise you that you'll learn something today that will hopefully be something that you can apply to your relationships in the future so stick around, don't tune out on me. I promise you that you'll walk away with something today that you can use. Last week, we set this up with Pastor Chris uh, talking about the concept of I take you. Whatever that means, I choose you as you are. You know, do we take the person as they are or how we want them to be? The uh, concept of your spouse is your priority. I'll start by saying I'm, I'm not the expert by any means, I am not an expert. My wife and I have been married for 15 years, and so I like to think that I have a little bit of street cred when it comes to marriage, but I promise you, I don't know anything. I'm learning and I drew the short straw with intimacy because I'll be honest with you, specifically emotional intimacy is something I really, really, really struggle with. And so I'm gonna get real vulnerable with you guys today and we'll talk to you a little bit about the things that I'm uh, not so great at and hopefully we can learn through this process together. The only downside of this is now that I have documented evidence that I am gonna work on these areas in my marriage, so now my wife can hold me accountable forever because it's it's on camera. I'm not the expert. I'll I'll even be even more transparent with you and let you know that this is the first time I've ever preached on the subject of marriage. I've never felt comfortable because we weren't married long enough. I feel like you have to have some some miles, right? But I feel like no matter where you are in your marriage, you're learning as you go. There's never going to be a moment where you've got it all figured out. There's never going to be a moment that things are perfect, and so we're going to learn together. We're going to go through this journey together today. Pastor Chris, last week, he ended his message with a challenge, specifically to men, but hopefully to everyone, to go and to reread Ephesians 5, uh, and that's 22 through 33. I'm sorry, I put the wrong thing up there. And so what I want to do is I want to read this together. That way, if you weren't here last week, we get a real fresh context of where we're going to be heading in today's message, because all of this is tied together. It's all about our biblical responsibilities as husband, as wife, and so I want to read this together. Ephesians 5 says this, it says... For wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The reason I want to read this is because this is the context for everything we're going to be talking about in this series is our roles, our responsibilities to one another as man and woman, as spouse to spouse. These are your responsibilities to one another. Today we're going to be taking the next step. Last week we talked about I take you and what that means. Today we're going to be talking about the concept of to have and to hold. To have and to hold. And I'll start by saying this, that Everything I say today, I'm going to mention a lot about men and women and what your roles are going to be, fully knowing that there are plenty of relationships in which these roles are reversed. There's plenty of things that men do really, really well and don't do really well, and that's usually true for us, but there's plenty of relationships where what I'm going to be talking about. It might be the other way around. It may be that you have the problem with the emotional as the wife and that the husband is more better at that and you're not able to connect in that way. Take what I'm saying and apply it to your relationship, to your future relationship, whatever that means for you. Take what I'm saying and apply it where it needs to be. See, intimacy issues are extremely common In marriages one of the most common phrases that you'll hear from a couple who has intimacy issues is we don't feel connected I've heard this in plenty of marriage counseling I've said this before in marriage counseling I have been in this moment where I don't feel connected to my wife I've had you know we've had disagreements we've had moments where intimacy is missing from our relationship and a lot of it when we talk about it is because we don't feel connected and usually the root of disconnect in a relationship goes back to intimacy issues. They're all connected in that way. This is something that we're going to talk about today is hopefully we can all get right. And you'll learn this morning that there are so many more things in intimacy than just the physical side of that. So there's lots of reasons when you first get married. There's so many reasons, of course, of your marriage that the intimacy begins to decline. Because when you first get married, for the most part, it's good. Intimacy is not a struggle. But as you, as you go through years together, as you go through challenges together, you notice that that begins to decline. And some of these are unintentional. Some of them are subtle. Some of them are things like this, like you have kids, you have jobs, you have responsibilities. And at the end of the day, when you finally get time to yourself, the only thing you really want to do is just crash and die in the bed because you've got nothing left to give at the end of the day. You don't have time to give each other any type of intimacy because you've given out everything you have to everybody else around you and the day is over and you're dead. And don't try to do these things in the middle of the day if you have kids because kids are locksmiths and they can pick locks and it's a dangerous game to be playing and I don't, I don't recommend it. <laughs> if you can find moments alone, that's great. But the reality is that life keeps us from being able to pursue intimacy in the way that we need to pursue it. These are subtle reasons why intimacy begins to decline. But some of the reasons why intimacy declines are a little bit more intentional, a little bit more malicious, a little bit more manipulative. We see a lot of times that women will hold physical intimacy hostage and use it as a weapon against their husbands or vice versa because they're not getting what they're looking for. You're not giving me what I need emotionally, so I'm not going to give you what you need physically. And we see intimacy and sexual relations being used as a weapon in marriages. And it's so sad to see. It's manipulative. It's not the way God intended. And on the other side of that, men, you can't just go up to your wife and tell her that she has to because the Bible says so. It doesn't work that way. The reason why we read this entire piece of scripture in context is I wanted you to know that there are roles and responsibilities for each of you. You each have a part to play in this. You each have a piece to be able to play in this. And if you don't get it right, you can't expect the other person to just give it to you because the Bible says so. And we can use that as a weapon too. As men, you have to because God says so. Well, God told you to do some other stuff too and you're not holding up your end of the bargain. (laughs) At least that's what my wife tells me. We don't feel connected. Whatever the reason it is that the intimacy has, has, has declined in your marriage, whatever that reason is, the, the fact is, and if you've been through these seasons and you've weathered these seasons, you know that this is true. The fact is is that it's really, really difficult once you've lost that to get that back on track. You can't just snap your fingers and all of a sudden the intimacy is back. There's pieces that you can have, men, if you're like me, and I'm speaking to myself here, when the physical intimacy is good, I just think it's all good anyways. Well, it's it's good there. must be good everywhere else, right? And that's why I think it's so important. What we're going to learn today is how this entire cycle of intimacy works together as one wheel, and each part is incredibly important to the next. Intimacy is not just sex. So, That's where we're going to be heading today. We're going to talk about the intimacy cycle. There are five different types of intimacy that I want to talk about today. And I'm going to teach you how all of those work together. I say teach. I'm going to communicate with you what I'm learning about how they all work together. And hopefully we can solve this intimacy issue together this morning. The first type of intimacy is this. It's spiritual intimacy. And the reason why I put this first As the first one that we're gonna talk about is I firmly believe that the very first and most foundational aspect of your marriage has got to be your spiritual intimacy. It's the center of everything else because good spiritual intimacy gives natural resilience to the other things that you're going to experience as a married couple. You're gonna have moments where the physical doesn't exist. You're gonna have moments where the emotional doesn't exist. And those things are easily weathered when you're grounded together in your spiritual connection with God when you're reading the word together, when you're praying together, when you're worshiping together, much as you are this morning. Those of you who are sitting next to your spouse, you're already checking a really good box this morning of being connected intimately through your spirituality. You've heard the old saying that a family that prays together stays together. And while I believe this is true, I think that sometimes we miss the mark and we believe that it's just a matter of us just praying together in a room for each other. And what God, I think, is really trying to say here is that this goes beyond your connection together. It goes to your personal connection with God. When you're praying on your own in your intimate moments with God, how are you praying for your spouse? Are you praying for God to reveal in your own heart how to care for your spouse? Are you asking God to fix things that you don't like about your spouse? That's hard. So many times I've looked at God and I've said, if you would just fix this one thing about her, I'm not using specifics, if you would just (laughs) fix this one thing about her, I think that I probably would be a little bit better at this emotional connection stuff. I probably would be a little bit more open to talking. That's not the way it works, guys. It's not the way it works. Pray for your own heart. Pray for your own understanding. Pray for your own patience and the ability to be able to be what you need to be for your spouse. If I can be totally transparent for a minute, this is extremely difficult, The spiritual intimacy when you're in ministry. I've been a full-time pastor for 15-plus years. I came straight out of high school and right into ministry, and that was the end of the story. And the problem is, is that on Sunday mornings, I have a thousand things that I have to do. Sunday morning is a work day for me. It's hard to look at it like that. I don't like looking at it like that because I I, I want to believe that I'm here to worship God and to, and to be a part of this community and this congregation. But the reality is, specifically with what I do for the church, with communications and technology and things like that, something's always broken. It's always broken. Matter of fact, I got a text as soon as I got done preaching last service that the kids' room was having technical issues, and I had to, like, Put on that hat and run down there and do that. And the reality is that when I get here on Sunday mornings, I'm usually already behind schedule. I'm usually already, there's already a list of things that have got to get accomplished before church starts. And if it doesn't, then something's going to go wrong. Something's going to fall apart. And so the minute I get here, I'm already on. I'm already having to fix things. And the reality is, is that I find very little time to be able to sit with my wife in service, to be able to be fed, to worship together, to pray together. And that is not acceptable. I'm talking to myself here. Maybe for you, it's that you serve. I know some, some, uh, some couples in the church, uh, they serve on opposite schedules. So they'll, they'll serve, uh, the, you know, the wife will serve one and the, the husband will attend and then they flip because they've got kids and they've got all this stuff going on and here's the reality. We, we need more, more servants in this church And if you're serving, thank you so much. I'm not trying to tell you not to do that. What I'm trying to tell you is is that if you don't have this under control, it might be a season to stop for a minute. You have to figure this out. Be in church together. Serve together. That's that's incredibly important. That's That's part of your spiritual connection with God is serving together. But being in here together, sitting next to each other, learning together, praying together, worshiping together, it's so vital to your intimacy as a couple it's hard, but find the time. Make it happen. The second is this, is recreational intimacy. Uh, this could be mild to extreme. This could be everything from, uh, my wife and I like to play Wordle. You guys play, are you all on this train, this Wordle train? Who's doing that? Show of hands. That is the most, ooh, it's so infuriating. Yesterday I broke my streak and I wanted to punch something. It's ridiculous. I shouldn't be feeling those things. But my wife and I love to sit down and do word. Y'all do the wordle. Have you seen this thing? Like four, they make up words. They're not even words. It's ridiculous. But I do it every single day for some reason. But that's her and I's thing. Every morning we wake up, we do the world together, which kind of sometimes frustrates me because we fight about what the first word is going to be. You know, you, if you play, it, you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, it's a big fight. My word's better than your word and yada, yada. But it can be everything from doing a crossword puzzle like that together to doing something a little bit more extreme. My wife and I love backpacking. That's our that's kind of our, our pastime. Matter of fact, we got the incredible opportunity this week. Uh, we do f- a few trips a year. Uh, typically, this this week, we were able to get out. Uh, my parents came, and we were able to take the kids, and so Monday to Thursday, we did a four- uh, four-day uh, backpacking trip up in Shenandoah, uh, which, was, which was absolutely um, amazing to be able to go and do that. But the thing about recreational intimacy is, is that this is one of those things that usually starts off strong at the beginning of the marriage and tends to dwindle as life goes on. One of the main reasons being that when you first are starting off in a relationship, you crave being with each other. And so you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone to do something just to be with the other person. I came from a background of being in, 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 my whole life was in the woods. I grew up in the woods. I, camping and hiking and all that stuff was the only thing I did as a kid. It was the only thing I wanted to do. And when I got married, my wife didn't do any of that stuff. And I remember the first time she told me she would go camping with me, I described it as camping with Barbie. <laughs> she shows up in flip-flops and a skirt. She wants to know where the mattress is. She wants to know where the air conditioning is. She wants to know, I, I, we're camping in the woods. What, did you miss the memo on this? This might not work out, but thank you for showing some interest in, in what I like to do. It all backfired. Let me tell you how it backfired. I created a monster, guys. I created a complete monster. Uh, I used to just do little hiking trips now. This last week, we hiked 45 miles together, <laughs> and she told me it wasn't enough. <laughs> let, me you, let me tell you how extreme this has gotten. Watch this video. Watch this, this woman that I've married. Yeah. Um, In case you didn't know, that's my wife picking up a dinosaur with her bare hands. That's what that is. Uh, those things have like razor sharp scales on them. Don't do that. Don't. That's crazy talk. Don't do that. But what I'm saying is, is that my, my wife showed so much interest in me at a, at a, in our early years of marriage that we have now become our recreational intimacy I would say sometimes it's the strongest part of our marriage because we love doing the same things together and we've kind of adapted to each other's likes and dislikes and all this other stuff and it's been such an incredible part of our marriage. We go on these backpacking trips to reconnect as husband and wife and I'm I always come out of these moments stronger. Of course, this, this week it was all talking about this, and so I felt really bad because she just kept telling me about all the things that I suck at, and so that's, that's great. I'm, I'm back there hiking behind her just making notes. Well, I suck at this. I suck at this. That's great. That's a, it's all going to be part of the message today, which is great. But recreational ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, I, one of my favorite scriptures in, in all of the Bible is Ecclesiastes nine. It says, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil oil. See, we need the ability to laugh and play together if we're to endure times of difficulty that come along the way. Recreational intimacy is so important for your marriage. The third piece is this, and that's the intellectual intimacy. This is the activity of connecting to one another by discussing certain issues. And this could be everything from lighthearted to, like, what's your favorite movie, all the way up to politics. If you're into that kind of thing, I, I don't know, that can get dangerous. Be careful with that in your marriage. But this is getting to know each other on an intellectual uh, level. And of course, just like with recreational, this also tends to be a little bit more uh, prevalent when you're first getting married and starts to decline. Why? Because you want to know everything about each other. Who can remember falling asleep on the phone with their, with their you know, when you're dating? I can remember, I would, we'd fall asleep, and, and the only reason I knew I fell asleep is that my dad would come in the room and tell me that he needed to use the internet, so I needed to hang the phone up. <laughs> Some of y'all in this room have no idea what I'm talking about right now, and that's okay. And we fell asleep on the phone because neither one of us wanted to be the first one to do what? We've all been there. That intellectual intimacy is strong at first, man. You want to know everything about the person. What makes you tick? What do you like? What don't you like? But at some point, we stop. We learn so much about each other that it negates the, 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 you know, there's no reason to have these conversations with one another anymore. We know exactly how each other is going to think, what their thoughts are, what their feelings are, what their, you know, what their likes and dislikes and all these other things. But the problem is, is that when we stop exploring each other, life in 15 years of marriage, I can promise you I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. The things that I like today are not the same things that I liked 15 years ago. Why would you not want to continue to explore this together as a couple? Why would you not want to sit and have conversations? My favorite movie right now is not the same favorite movie it was 15 years ago because they made better movies. <laughs> it's kind of. Some of them are just remakes. Most of them are just remakes. But we stop. And we change so much over time, it doesn't make sense for us to stop having these conversations, explore each other intellectually, have those conversations, whatever they might be. The fourth thing is this, and it's the physical intimacy. The physical intimacy. And and when most people think about intimacy, this is the word that they think about. When I say intimacy, the first thing you're thinking about is physical. That's, That's where all of our minds tend to go. And this is everything from sexual to non-sexual. This can be literally holding hands, cuddling, if you're into that kind of thing, hugging. And these sometimes, sometimes lead to something more. It's called foreplay, right? One of the most common things... (laughs) It's almost like she knows what I'm going to say next. One of the most common frustrations from women is that a man thinks... Right? It's like a dog. You ever seen a dog when the doorbell rings? Ding dong. This stuff here! It's here! This door! come on, this is someone's at the door! It's over here! Let's go! I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready! And all she did was touch my arm. <laughs> Can y'all identify with this? It's the reality, it's one of the most common things that women complain about in marriages is that every time they give us any type of look whatsoever, we are Woo! Let's go. With the kid in the crib, and let's move, <laughs> because because, and I'm talking to myself here, men, me, right. When the sex is good, I just feel like everything's good. Everything's good, right? That's good. We're good. Everything's good. It's all good. <laughs> but see, the problem is, is that there's another piece of this. There's a fifth and final piece of this that I'll be honest. Sometimes I like to just pretend doesn't exist. And that's the emotional intimacy, the emotional intimacy. See, the thing about physical is that we're, we're, we're supposed to delight. This, the, the Bible talks about this. I, I'm going to stay away from Song of Songs today because it makes me feel awkward. And I don't, I don't like saying those things out loud, but you read it some other time. But Proverbs 5, 18 to 19 says this. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. I read this somewhere my wife looked at me and she said, I am not a graceful doe. <laughs> like a stallion. I'm not going to read the rest of this. Y'all can read it later. Is a, the next part gets a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's good. Physical is good. It's supposed to be a part of your relationship, but it's not everything. It's not the only type of intimacy that exists out there, which leads us to our final one, the one that we're going to camp on for just a little bit because it's the one that I personally struggle with the most, so I'm going to preach about it, and maybe you're in the same boat. Emotional intimacy is sharing of one's own experiences with one another. See, intellectual intimacy is thoughts, right? We talk about our thoughts. I think this is a good movie. Whereas emotional intimacy tends to be more like feelings. Uh, feelings. I like to believe I don't have feelings. This is, I'm told sometimes I don't have feelings. I know this is not true, right? I, I, I think I don't have emotions. My wife kindly reminded me after the last service. She goes, you told everybody you don't have emotions. Anger is 100% an emotion. <laughs> That being said, I'm extremely emotional. <laughs> extremely emotional. Uh, see, men have much more limited emotional vocabulary, and they tend to be less comfortable with emotive speech. I don't like talking about my emotions. It makes me feel weird. It makes me feel like I'm, uh, I don't like it. I don't like processing it because I don't even really know if I'm feeling it because I've pushed it so far down inside of me that I'm worried that if I bring up something that I'm, I'm never going to be able to stop, and then I'm going to be crying, and then this is going to be this weird thing, and I don't... I don't want to go down that, that path sometimes, but <laughs> men misunderstand their spouses when they speak. See, the women, they just they just want an exchange of ideas. My wife, she looks at me and she says, I just want, I just want you to identify with my feelings. Identify. Whereas what do I try to do? I try to offer solutions. I try to teach her how to fix it. I try because it doesn't make sense. I'm a man. I was born with a can of WD-40 in my hand. This is when something is broken, I fix it, right? And so the concept of sitting there and listening to someone's thoughts and feelings and me not being able to put a fix in place doesn't make sense to me. It actually kind of infuriates me a little bit and brings me to anger because it's it's something I don't have control of. I don't have control over the situation. If I can't fix it, I can't control it. And if I can't control it, then that's when my anger begins to come out. Women think about everything. Men think about nothing. I can confidently tell you that when your man looks at you and says, I'm not thinking about anything, he is telling the truth. (laughs) It's a concept that you're not going to understand, and that's okay, but I promise you, I think about nothing. I can turn a key right here on the side of my head and just disappear. I don't know where I go. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not thinking about anything. I promise you that. Women tend to overanalyze. My wife said something very powerful to me when we, were, when we were hiking and we were talking and she was telling me about all the things I'm bad at. We were hiking through and, and so we were talking about the concept of overanalyzing and she said, she said, you know, we as women, she says, well, I overanalyze everything. Don't you think I probably overanalyze sex too? I don't. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Nothing. I'm thinking about what's... what's, what's this is what I'm thinking about. What's happening right now? That's what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm not overanalyzing this. See, the thing about concept of marriage is that when two become one, it becomes one emotion. It's not her emotion and my emotion, and somehow we find ways to just coexist. Our emotions become each other's emotions, and this is the thing that I have the hardest time figuring out. Is how in the world am I supposed to feel the same way that my wife feels? I try to sympathize. I try to empathize. I try to be there for her in those moments, but the reality is, is that I don't have the same thought processes. The concept of getting your feelings hurt, that doesn't make any sense to me. My feelings hurt? I'm, I don't care what he said to me. I don't care if he likes me. I don't care if he came to my birthday party. I'm just going to go home and go to sleep tonight the same way I did yesterday. I don't care, but she cares, and because she cares, I should care. Because when we became one, when two become one, your emotions become one. I can't connect with emotions because I don't don't have them all the time. I don't feel them all the time. And so, I think sometimes, and this is a problem, this is a fault, I think in relationships with intimacy that sometimes sex is enough. That if that's good, then we're all good. Everything's fine. Because the problem is, is that I can't deal with my own emotions. I've I don't know how to deal with my own emotions, and so how in the world am I going to hold up somebody else's emotions when I can't deal with my own emotions? And this is the endless battle I fight all the time. It's the reason why we get in so many disagreements about this whole emotional connection thing is because I have literally looked at my wife and told her, I can't deal with your emotions right now. And my heart breaks thinking that I said that out loud because that's the one thing on this earth that God has called me to do. Shepherd your wife's heart Shepherd her heart. What does that mean? It means that her emotions become your emotions, and whether you feel it or not, it's still real. It's still there. Communication is difficult, and communication brings down marriages, but communication sometimes isn't talking at all. It's shutting up and listening. That's where I struggle. I struggle in that concept of being able to sit there and listen to somebody else tell me something and, and not be able to do anything about it, but I just need to listen Hard question. Men, I'm going to ask you, can your wife be vulnerable with you? I'll flip it the other way. Women, can your husband be vulnerable with you? Have you given them the the open door to be who they are in your relationship? Have you opened the door to say, I take you for whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you come with, and whatever emotions you feel, I feel because we are one and you can tell me everything. I'll be honest with you, I don't do that enough. I'm getting better, but I don't do it enough. I create moments where my wife has nobody else to turn to but me and I shut those down because I can't deal with emotions. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Not being able to handle emotions as a man is not an excuse to not be there for your wife when she has hers. Again, flip it if you need to. Roles exist in so many different ways when it comes to marriages. Regardless of how you feel about this, like I said a minute ago, men were called to shepherd our wives' hearts just as much as women you're called to shepherd your husband's intimacy your husband's sexuality. These are the, if you read back through Ephesians 5, this is what it talks about. Men or women to submit to their, to their husband and husbands to treat their wives and love their wives as Christ loved the church. This is a two-way street. Bo- both of us have a part to play in this. See, men are most connected when physical intimacy is at its highest. I am more likely to be open about my thoughts and emotions if the physical part of my intimacy has been met. I'm way more likely to say something like, you know, a a poem. (laughs) Yes, You you ever read Genesis? Listen to this. Genesis 2, uh, 22 through 23. This This is literally right after God creates Eve and presents her to Adam. It says, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. What did Adam do? Did Adam grab her hand and say, let's go to the bedroom? He didn't. He recited what might be the world's first ever love poem. In that moment, he said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam, the first thing he did in that moment was use his words to communicate what he was feeling. He doesn't grab her and, and, and move her off to the bedroom. He shares his thoughts and his feelings. I want to show you something real fast, a, a graphic on the screen. Um, I would love for you to take your phone and just take a picture of this. We're gonna, we're gonna sit here for the rest of the message. I would love for you to see this. What time is it right now? 11-11? I gotta go. Okay, quick, here we go, quick. All right, this is the intimacy cycle. This is right here is what we're gonna be looking at uh, and, and, and hopefully this will spur your conversations as you get home today. You ever go to a grocery store and uh, get a shopping cart that has a broken wheel? You ever done that before? And the whole time you're going, "Dunk, dunk," because somebody took a chunk out the bottom of it. What's the first thing that you do? You go back and do what? And get another cart, right? You don't have that option in marriage. You don't have the option in marriage to go and get another cart. Well, I'd say that. You do have the option in marriage to go get another cart. But it's not God's design. It's not God's design. Here's the problem, is that every single one of these pieces in this circle right here have got to be working together in order for your intimacy to be where it needs to be. If a piece of this is broken, your wheel is not going to turn. It's not going to move, okay? And so if you look at this, it's real simple, okay? Let's take the men, for example. Men, where are we trying to get? Boom! Right there. That's where we want to be, okay? Where do we have to go to get there? Well, Let me tell you what we think. Sometimes we think if we make a hard right and we go to recreational intimacy and we go out and we have a good time together, that that's enough. If we go and have a good time together and I buy her a nice dinner, that that's enough and we can move to the physical intimacy part. Okay? Here's the problem. Let's flip it the other way. Women, where do you want to be? Boom, emotional intimacy. That's where you're trying to get. And sometimes you try to get us there by taking us through intellectual intimacy. If we have some conversations about what our favorite movies are, maybe we'll open up enough to be able to get into the deeper emotions of who we are. And you're fighting each other. You're fighting each other. You're going back and forth and you're fighting and you're pushing and 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 you're going after each other and there's this cycle of disconnection that's happening because one of these things is not moving the way that the others are moving. When women feel disconnected, when my wife feels disconnected, they often are trying to get emotional intimacy through that route of intellectual intimacy. Let's talk and maybe we'll end up sharing our feelings. All of this further complicates everything because we're working against each other. Feelings are hard for men. Women women need the feelings to be able to get to that intimacy section of their life. And so the, the, the whole piece of all this, okay, is that love is a difficult thing, man. Love is a difficult thing. Just because you can't do one of these things does not mean that your wheel can exist without it. That wheel's not going to turn if one of these pieces is broken. This is where putting each other's needs before your own comes into play. So what I would love for you to do is take this picture and let this be maybe a conversation piece for you today at lunch, at dinner, tonight while you're hanging out, Let's be real with each other for a minute and let's figure out which one of these is hurting in your relationship. Men, can we be open for a minute and just tell our spouse what it is that we struggle with? Women, can we be open for a minute and tell our spouse what it is that we struggle with and try to find a way to come together and to fix this? Here's the thing just because, and I'm gonna get real for a minute, just because one of these things is missing in your wheel does not give you permission to go find it somewhere else. We see this happen way too often. That a wife is not getting their emotional intimacy that they need, but because they want to make sure that the intimacy with their husband is where it needs to be, they go and they find that somewhere else. And they come home and they're like, I'm good now. Because the dude at my work, over lunch, we talked, and I got all of my stuff out, and now I feel good, and so, you know, we're good. Men, this is where pornography comes into play. Sometimes we get our physical met, and we don't have to deal with the rest of it. It's not an excuse. It's 100% not an excuse. You have to have all five of these things working in order in your marriage or your wheel will not turn. And you'll start looking everywhere else when what you really need to do is grab that can of WD-40, prop that shopping cart up, and fix that wheel. Y'all hear me? Don't let the missing piece of your wheel be your excuse not to pursue your spouse. Talk about it. It's difficult, but talk about it. This is where we circle back around. The reason why spiritual intimacy is at the very top is because, again, I believe that if you get that piece of your relationship right, that the rest of the pieces tend to fall into place a lot easier. It makes them easier to talk about. It makes them easier to work through. It gives grace where there needs to be grace, because you're not always going to have this figured out. I'm always going to be horrible at communicating my emotions, but at least I know that I have grace in those moments because, because we're connected on a spiritual level, and she knows that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that our wheel is turning properly, and I'm not going to look anywhere else, but right here inside of our relationship. Spiritual in- intimacy, the first and most foundational. So we work together on all these things we make them an important part of our marriage, and we sit back and we hopefully watch our intimacy and our relationships grow to levels that we've never experienced before. Maybe you've been married for a long time and you've never quite figured this out. Maybe it's because you've never talked about it. And my hope is that this picture, this, this, this visual that you're seeing right now can continuously remind you that there is always something that needs to be worked on. It's not just sex. It's so many more things that complicate this but it's absolutely worth every bit of your time to work on them together, to watch your intimacy and your relationship and your marriage grow. Put God first and watch all the other pieces fall into place. Talk through your weaknesses. Own your weaknesses and work together because you're one. That's what it means to become one. It, means it, doesn't, just, it doesn't just mean physically. It means that every piece of your life becomes, becomes the same as your spouse. Those things are connected. Their feelings are your feelings. Their thoughts are your thoughts. Their life is your life. Just because one piece is broken for me doesn't mean that her wheel is turning perfectly. When one piece is broken, it's broken for both of us. So take this photo, talk about it, get real with each other for a minute and watch as your intimacy and your relationship expands and blossoms and becomes what God intended with marriage all along. Will you join me today as we close? God, I thank you so much for challenging us. I thank you so much for, for giving us the, the grace that we need when we need it, but also setting the portrait of what biblical marriage looks like. God, challenge us, push us. Give us the strength in areas of weakness to be vulnerable, to be able to open up those parts of ourself that we don't like to talk about, that we don't like to get into, but do it because our spouse is worth it. Because you have called us to love our spouse like you love the church, like you sacrifice for the church. And sacrifices sometimes means doing something that we don't want to do. Sacrifices hurt, sacrifices put us out of our comfort zone. But God, we believe that your plan is perfect, and we believe that your plan for marriage includes us getting this part right here right. Push us, strengthen us, give us boldness to be able to communicate with one another, and give us grace. As we talk through these situations with our spouses, we become open about what's hurting us and what's, what we're struggling with, give us grace to look back at the other and say, that's okay, we're gonna work through this together. And we thank you so much for continuing to strengthen our relationships, our marriage. And We thank you for so much for opportunities like this to learn, to grow, to be challenged, and to look further into what you call marriage, to live a life that's well-pleasing to you. We pray this in your name, amen.